0: Between the shadows of reality and the fringe of our own fears, lurks a world of monsters. Strange creatures and frightening phantoms who test the very boundaries of our science and superstition. It's a realm of mystery and legend, a place of fact and fear. This is Monstro Bizarro. One, what is your emergency? My kids were outside playing when they saw some kind of a a man or a, a thing walking down the street, and it came from the direction of the railroad tracks at the end of the block. And my son came in crying, so I went outside and I saw it. It had like hooves and a tail, kind of like an animal. Stay calm, ma'am. Where is this person or thing now? I think it went into an abandoned building at the end of the road. Um, I'm not the only one who saw it. My neighbors saw it too. So please send an officer as fast as you can because I'm really scared. I'll send an officer as soon as possible. It may take a few minutes, so just stay inside your house. Do not leave the house. In the late 1980s, a dispatcher at the Freestone County Sheriff's Office received a frantic 911 call. It was from a woman who lived near some railroad tracks in the small town of Teague, Texas. The terrified resident said her children had been playing outside when they saw a bizarre, man like thing walking up the street away from the tracks. At first glance, they thought it might be an odd person. But as it got closer, they realized it was some kind of creature with a long tail and cloven hooves. The kids started screaming and fled to their homes. They told their parents what they had seen. When the woman heard the screaming, she immediately went outside to investigate. She, along with several other neighbors, saw the thing walking down the street, just as the kids had said. It set off a night of terror that some people in the town have never forgotten. Welcome to the Monstro Bizarro Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Blackburn. I bring you the best encrypted creatures, legends, and terrifying tales. In this episode, I'll be examining an unusually spooky case that occurred in the small town of Teague, Texas, back in the 1980s. You might think this is something straight out of the X-Files. But this is true. The story begins on a balmy summer evening in the late 1980s. Some kids were playing outside in the neighborhood kids used to do that back then, when they noticed what looked like a person walking up the street. They lived about a block from some train tracks that run through the little town of Teague, located an hour and a half south of Dallas. At first, the kids didn't pay much attention. But as the figure approached, they began to suspect it wasn't a person. It walked upright in a strange fashion and was wearing odd clothing, or perhaps no clothing at all. As it got closer, they could see what looked like a long tail, and it had cloven hooves. The thing, or creature, reeked with a foul odor. The kids started screaming and running to their respective houses which lined the street, When they burst inside they told their parents what they had seen some of the parents thought it was a joke but others could tell by the fear on the children's faces that this was no prank several of the adults ran outside and saw the bizarre thing as it headed down the block it was walking on two legs in a deliberate and unthreatened manner they could also smell the overwhelming odor lingering in its wake It was just before dusk when this happened, so there was still enough light to see whatever this thing was. It wasn't a normal man, if it were a man at all. It eventually reached the location of an abandoned house at the end of the block and appeared to go inside. After it was out of sight, several of the parents ran inside to call police. The calls were routed to the Freestone County Sheriff's Office, where a dispatcher by the name of Todd Solly was on duty. The first woman who got through told Solly that she and the neighbors had seen some kind of weird thing walk up the street and go into the abandoned building. She was frantic as she begged for a police officer to be sent immediately. Solly could hear kids sobbing in the background as the woman recounted the terrifying incident. Solly wasn't sure what was going on, but assured her that he would send an officer as soon as possible. After she hung up, the dispatcher received several other calls from parents whose kids had seen the same thing. In some cases, these parents had seen it too. They sounded just as frightened as the first woman. There was no doubt something strange was going on. A Teague policeman was eventually sent to the location, but by the time he got there it was fully dark. The department was busy that night, so it took the officer a while to arrive and he was alone because they couldn't spare more than one officer for a non-emergency call like that. When the officer arrived on the scene, he was met by witnesses who all saw the creature. They described the strange features such as the tail and hooves, and also told him about the rancid smell coming from it. The eyewitnesses agreed it was not someone in a costume. The officer had arrived thinking this was some kind of prank but after speaking to the witnesses, he felt they had truly seen something bizarre. After calming down the witnesses, the officer proceeded to the abandoned house which was located a block from where the thing had first been spotted. He looked around the site, but was not willing to enter the house even though he was armed. Even if it was a prank, he didn't know what he might find in there and without backup, he did not want to take a chance so he eventually returned to his vehicle and left the premises. The next day, two Teague policemen returned to the scene and they did enter the abandoned house, but by then they found no trace of anyone or anything. However, they did detect a lingering odor which they said smelled like something dead. I originally found out about this case through my colleague and fellow monster hunter, Ken Gerhard, who had heard about it from a friend who lived in Fairfield, a small town adjacent to Teague. Ken and I went to Fairfield one afternoon and met with our friend Andy to discuss the story. At the time, we were planning on covering it for a television show we were working on. We also dropped by the office of the Freestone County Times newspaper to talk to the folks there and they ended up running a story about how we were there investigating the incident. That resulted in Todd Sully, the dispatcher, contacting us. He said it was pretty hair-raising just taking those calls. He hasn't worked in law enforcement since the 1990s, so many of the calls he took back then have faded from his memory, but not this one. He said it's something he will absolutely never forget. A few nights after the initial 911 call, Solly said they received yet another frantic call. He was an employee at the BNSF Railroad office who said they had seen some kind of bizarre creature crawl out of a grain car. He said it scared the hell out of their conductor. Officers once again responded, but by the time they got there, whatever it was, was already gone. The train tracks are located near some woods So perhaps it simply disappeared into the thicket. Since officers were sent to investigate these incidents, I wondered if there were police reports on file. I called the sheriff's office after I heard from Solly and asked if they had records of the calls from back then, or at least a report filed by the responding officers. The lady working in the records office told me all the documents were handwritten at the time So those kind of reports were normally purged after two years. If it wasn't an actual crime, then it wasn't considered essential to keep it. So there's nothing to reference as far as official reports on this matter. When I call a police department and ask them about a report of some kind of monster, sometimes they don't even entertain it. But this woman actually listened and was very helpful. She hadn't worked there long enough to remember the events, but she assured me that if there had been a police report, it was no longer available. That's unfortunate, but either way, the recollections of the call dispatcher are gold in a case like this. It's not very often that people call police to report such things, and if they do, they aren't usually taken seriously. If the police even respond, it's usually regarded as a prank. But in this case... The dispatcher and the officer knew those people had seen something out of the ordinary. There's only been a few monster cases where I had access to police files. One of those was a lizard man case from Bishopville, South Carolina, which, in some ways, is similar to this case in Teague. In fact, I remember Ken and I were first talking about the creature in terms of a lizard man, That's a category of cryptid wherein people see a bipedal-type humanoid that appears to have scaly skin. Of course, in the case of the Teague thing, it was described as having hooves, so I almost picture some kind of a devil, even though it wasn't described as being red in color as we might expect from a devil, so to speak. Without a police report, I haven't been able to track down any of the officers that responded to the original calls but I was able to speak with Casey Moreland, an officer who worked for the Teague Police Department from about 1990 to 1995. He said the staff was still talking about the case while he was there, and he heard the story on several occasions. This tells me that it was memorable enough that they would still discuss it. The sheriff, who was in office at the time, is now deceased, So unfortunately, I couldn't speak with him either. So it's been difficult to find the names of the officers who responded to the calls. The Freestone County Times recently ran another article about my investigation into the case in hopes that it might bring forward some of the original witnesses or the police officers. But so far, none of the witnesses have come forward. It's been more than 30 years even though the article didn't bring forward an original witness it did generate some other interesting responses a woman named Doty said that she had a strange experience about 20 years ago on Teague Club Lake where she owned a house she said that one morning about 3 a.m. she couldn't sleep so she went out on the front porch she was surprised to see a ball of bluish light moving in a horizontal straight line across the top of some huge oak trees. It was traveling parallel to the surface of the lake and moving very slowly. It was a cool, clear night, so there was no mistake about what she was observing. She said the ball of light eventually reached about midway in the largest part of the lake and then just went black. She didn't hear a splash or any other sound. It didn't look like any kind of firework or other light she could identify. To this day, she still wonders what it could have been. I suppose there could be some kind of rational explanation for what Doty saw, but it sure does seem odd. She didn't claim that it had anything to do with the creature, of course, but she just wanted to share about another strange thing that had been seen around the area. As far as the creature, she assured me that Teague is surrounded by some heavily wooded areas that are fairly isolated. The only people who go out there are deer and hog hunters who lease the land. She said a lot of the land is untouched since many of the owners have died. She once saw a mountain lion walking right down the street not too far from her lake house. So certainly it's a pretty wild place where something could find seclusion. This case is also interesting because the entity described by the witnesses is really hard to define. It's not a standard cryptid like a Bigfoot or Dogman, and not really a Lizardman. It falls somewhere in between a creature and perhaps something like a demon, something that dwells as much in the outer fringes of the paranormal as it does in cryptozoology. I'm not saying it's necessarily supernatural, but it kind of defies explanation if it's not simply a weird-looking person. Because the thing was described as having cloven feet or hooves, it also edges into the realm of goatman lore. Goat men are supposedly creatures that resemble a half man, half goat, but they are usually described as being much more goat-like, with white hair and horns, than what we have in Teague. I discussed this in a previous episode where people referred to the Lake Worth monster as a goatman. I discussed this in a previous episode where people referred to the Lake Worth monster as a goat man, although it was primarily described as an ape-like thing. Stories of goat men exist in many cultures and date back to the Middle Ages, where they can be seen as a sort of mythological archetype, representing both primal nature and untamed sexuality. In modern times, these creatures straddle the line between cryptozoology, folklore, and urban legend. They usually have origin stories and are often said to carry weapons or have supernatural powers. Neither the Lake Worth monster or the Teague Terror seem like traditional goat men, so they fall in some other gray area of monster lore, making them very unique. Of course, I have considered the possibility that it was just a person, This happened near a railroad track where so-called hobos would indeed frequent. And the fact that it walked to an abandoned house is something that hobos will do. My great-grandmother lived near a railroad track in Carthage, Texas, and the house next to her was abandoned. Vagrants would occasionally sleep in there. I went into the house a few times when I was a kid and saw where people had been sleeping on the old dirty mattresses. The house was really creepy because it looked like the former residents had just simply gotten up and walked out one day. All the furniture was still there. There were cans of food in the cabinet, toys on the floor, even a baby crib upstairs, everything. Like they just simply disappeared. The house hadn't been painted in years, so it was literally rotted gray wood. Half the windows were broken or cracked and high weeds and grass were growing up all around it. It looked like the Munster's house, right next door to my great-grandmother's. The few times I did go in there, it really freaked me out. There was a bullet hole in the living room TV. It was one of those big old console televisions. I always wondered what had happened in there, but I was so young at the time, I didn't really investigate it like I would now. Anyway, I'm getting totally sidetracked here. The point here is that railroad hobos have been known to sleep in nearby abandoned buildings. But in the case of the Teague thing, numerous witnesses watched it for a period of time and were certain it wasn't a man. And they were insistent that it wasn't wearing a costume. I can see where they might have mistaken something like a rope dragging behind the figure as a tail, perhaps. But the cloven hooves... That's just harder to explain. If it were just one witness who saw something briefly, then there might be room for error. But in this case, it was seen by numerous kids and adults as it walked right down the middle of the street. Hard to imagine they were all fooled by a costume, unless it was a really professional and convincing one. And why would someone even dress up in a costume and walk down the street of a small town in the middle of summer? It doesn't make any sense not to mention the railroad workers also saw something the way they described it as crawling out of a boxcar gives me the impression that it was definitely not a person the railway siding really helps the credibility of this overall case and suggests the thing had been in the area for several days at least unfortunately no one got a good look at its face or at least didn't report that to police. A description of its face would have surely helped in this case. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispie Sandwich. But you're the Filet-O-Fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the Filet-O-Fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Even though it was just a couple of incidents, it was remembered by the residents for years to come. As I mentioned, the former Teague policeman said he heard about it at the station well into the 90s. And Todd Solly still remembers the details vividly. When Ken and I went to the newspaper office, they all knew of the case as well. Rumors about other incidents circulated, but I'm not sure those were really connected. At some point, people were saying the Teague Terror had been seen near a pizza restaurant in the neighboring town of Fairfield it supposedly left a greasy handprint on the window. That's, you know, kind of silly, but it goes to show how these kind of cases can transcend into what seems like urban legend in these small towns. But, as we've seen, there is truth at the core. As I mentioned earlier, the Teague case reminds me a lot of the Bishopville Lizardman case that I investigated and wrote a book about. In that case, people were reporting some kind of scaly humanoid creature lurking in the swampy areas outside the small town of Bishopville, South Carolina. In one instance, a kid said he was chased by the thing after he got stranded near or Swamp. He was driving home from work about 2 a.m. when he had a blowout on the road that cut through the swamp. Just after he changed the tire, He was putting the jack back into the trunk when he noticed a figure coming at him in the moonlight. It was moving upright through the high fennel grass, and at first he thought it was a person, which was scary enough. But then he began to realize it was not. It was some kind of humanoid thing covered in scaly, brown, or green skin. He quickly slammed the trunk, jumped into the car, and started it up. The thing came up to the window and was trying to grab at him. It had red eyes and three-fingered hands with long nails. He literally described it as a red-eyed devil. There were other sightings which occurred from about 1987 to 1992, and many of those were made public in the newspapers and on television news. From there, it sort of developed into a huge local phenomenon, but at the core, It was people reporting sightings of some kind of unknown creature. And that's just what we seem to have in Teague. And it sounds very similar, except the Teague creature, or whatever it was, had a tail and hooves. And it walked up from a railroad yard instead of a swamp. If the Teague case would have gotten more publicity, I think it might have developed into something more famous. Sometimes these cases can become a big deal for small towns. It just depends on how many incidents occurred and what kind of publicity it gets. Take the Mothman, for example. It has become a huge tourist attraction in the little town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, with a festival that draws thousands of people. The original Mothman incidents date back to the mid-1960s, yet they're still a source of continued fascination to this day. While there's been plenty of strange creature sightings around Texas, I can't recall one that was described exactly like what we have in Teague. However, I have gotten some really spooky reports of something that does seem more reptilian. While researching the case, I was contacted by a guy who not only saw something himself, but his dad did too years earlier. The witness, John, who lives in the Waco area told me that his dad and some friends had been fishing along Tawakana Creek, south of Waco, back in the early 1960s. That night, they were camping near the spot where the creek feeds into the Brazos River when they began to hear something walking in the water. When they looked up, they were surprised to see something like an alligator walking upright on its hind legs coming up the creek towards them. One of the guys grabbed a 22 rifle and started firing at the thing but it seemed to have virtually no effect on it. The thing kept coming up the embankment closer to the camp, so they finally jumped up and ran for their cars, which were parked nearby. They took off without looking back and never saw the thing again. John's dad told him the story when he was young, but it wasn't until years later that John really understood what his dad had probably seen. One evening, John and a friend were checking their trot lines along the shallow parts of the Brazos River north of Waco when they heard a splashing sound like someone walking towards them. It was just starting to get dark, so they shined a spotlight in the direction of the splashing. And there was what John described as a big lizard walking through the water coming right at them. It was so bizarre and frightening they immediately started up their boat and took off back down the river. It was something he could never explain or forget, and it was all the more strange because it seemed like the same kind of creature his dad saw. We might ask, what are the chances both he and his dad would see virtually the same thing so many years apart? But John is definitely credible, and I have no reason to doubt his story. I was lucky to come across him because he never really told many people about this, for obvious reasons. As far as other reports, there's a case where a woman saw a reptilian humanoid-type creature come up out of the Sabine River Bottoms in East Texas, and a similar type thing was spotted just north in Oklahoma. All of these seem pretty consistent and definitely fall into what I would call the lizard man category of cryptids as far as something that was described more like a devil. I talked to a woman who had a really strange experience in Fort Worth, Texas, back in the 1980s. One evening, her and a friend were at a public park just hanging out and talking. When it got dark, they decided it was time to leave. While they were driving out, they noticed a man approaching the car as if he wanted to speak with them. She slowed down and he came up to the window. She said she was immediately struck with an odd feeling. There was something very strange about this guy, though she couldn't quite put her finger on just what it was. He was dressed in odd-looking clothes made out of a material she was not familiar with. He was also wearing a sort of derby-type hat and was walking with a cane. And his face was really odd, like the skin just wasn't quite right. Like he was wearing a mask but not really a mask. The man started asking for directions as if he were not from the area. The woman and her friend got really spooked and quickly told the guy how to get to wherever he was wanting to go. He was looking at them in a very odd way and then asked if they lived nearby. She said something to get rid of him and then quickly rolled up the window. The strange man then ambled off into the darkness of the park. As they drove away, they looked back and could no longer see him anywhere. It was as if he had just simply vanished. She lived very close to the park, so they hurried home. When they got to her house, they were not there very long before the power suddenly started going on and off. Then, the house plunged into total darkness. The power had gone out completely. She got the feeling that it had something to do with the strange man they'd just met. Though she couldn't imagine how. As her and her friend discussed the incident, they became convinced that they had encountered the devil himself. This guy didn't have a tail or cloven hooves like the Teague thing, but it always struck me as something similar in that his skin was so weird and that she referred to it as a devil. It's also interesting that this incident happened in the 1980s, around the same time as the Teague case and the lizard man sightings in Bishopville. It's literally like something out of the Stranger Things TV series, set in the 1980s in a small town with scary, indefinable creatures. But of course, this isn't TV. You don't have to search very far in the real world to find strange things. And in this case, I could actually go to Teague to take a look at the location where the alleged creature had been seen. I returned to the area recently to have another look at the train yard. I could see some thick woods around the tracks to the south. If it were a creature, then maybe it could come and go through those woods. It could have been feeding in the grain car. The neighborhood is just a few blocks away and I noticed the police station is right near the train yard, so everything was pretty close together. Many years have passed since the incidents were reported but it always helps to see the area so I can get a perspective on the case. I also dropped by the pizza restaurant in Fairfield to see if I could see any greasy handprints on the window. Not surprisingly, I didn't find any latent prints. But seriously, it's interesting how these things become the local boogeyman. Like when a handprint turns up on a window, kids start claiming that it was the Teague Monster. Which, incidentally... I'm not exactly sure what they called it. As I mentioned, it was presented to me and Ken as a lizard man, although it's not what I would call a lizard man. So I've decided to formalize it by calling it the Terror of Teague or the Teague Terror. I think that's pretty darn catchy. One recurring theme I've noticed in some of these creature cases is the proximity to railroad tracks. There was a case in Defiance, Ohio back in 1972 where an alleged werewolf was seen near the railroad yard downtown. In one incident, a train switch operator said he was in the yard in the early morning hours when something approached him from behind. When he turned to look, he was in shock to see a hairy werewolf-like creature standing over him. The thing turned and ran on two legs into some nearby woods. The same sort of beast was seen a few nights later by two other railroad workers. A motorist also reported seeing the same creature an hour later when it ran across the road in front of his car. The case was widely publicized in the local newspaper and was taken fairly seriously by the local law officials who organized a search. Ultimately, no one could determine if this was some kind of bipedal animal Or just a person dressed up as a werewolf playing pranks. Defiance is also a small town. I've been up there to the railroad track where the incidents occurred and, as expected, it looks pretty similar to the area in Teague where the railroad workers saw their creature. Many Bigfoot sightings also occur along railroad tracks and there's other legends such as Kentucky's Pope Lick Monster that are also associated with railroad tracks. Why would these creatures be seen around places like that? It could simply be that railroad tracks run through small towns and rural areas where there are also woods. If these are some type of animals or creatures, they would naturally be seen in wooded areas or would be attracted to things like the grain car where they could get food. If these are just elaborate hoaxes, I'm not sure why someone would carry them out in rail yards. That could be extremely dangerous, not to mention railroad workers are not the kind of guys I would want to mess with. But there's a definite correlation between railroads and paranormal phenomenon. Ghosts, orbs, and spook lights are also seen along trackways. There's just something about those areas. When I was at the train yard in Teague, I could imagine the place would have been pretty creepy at night. It already looked old and somewhat abandoned during the day, so if it were dark, I can somehow picture a creature lurking about. Maybe that's because I already know the story. I'm sure the residents in Teague just see the area as a quaint part of their town, and it is. But when there's a monster story associated with it, it gives off a different vibe. At least to someone who doesn't live in the area and who doesn't see it as a regular mundane place. There's a little railroad museum there, but I don't think they have any exhibits dedicated to the creature. At least, not yet. That spooky noise means it's time for Monstro Mail. This is where I pick some reader questions and attempt to answer them in an intelligent and or entertaining fashion. And I've got one here about the Lakeworth monster episode. John Sims asks is it possible to visit the location of Greer Island where the original monster sightings took place? Yes, John, you can easily go out to that location now. It's part of the Fort Worth Nature Center, a preserve that covers about 3,600 acres and includes over 20 miles of hiking trails. If you drive down Shoreline Drive to the very end you'll get to Greer Island. You can walk over to the island on a land bridge and there's trails over there that you can hike on. Right across from the place where you park is the location of the pit where the creature was said to have thrown the tire back in 1969. The Fort Worth Nature Center hosts the Lake Worth Monster Bash, which is an event they have every five years out there. It's a really good time and a great way to preserve the story and pass it on to new generations of monster enthusiasts. You know, I think Teague should start an event to celebrate their own monster. They could call it the Terror of Teague Festival. Although I guess that doesn't sound much like a fun-filled family event, so I'm not sure it would really catch on. But hey, I would go. I've got another question here from Roy Connors. Roy asks, Are there any locations where cryptids have been spotted that you have not explored yet but would like to? Well, Roy, yeah, there's there's so many fascinating cryptid sightings everywhere. Certainly, I would like to personally investigate all of them. But as with most things, it usually comes down to time and money. If I had to pick one as my next investigation, I would probably say the Beast of LBL. The LBL is short for Land Between the Lakes. It's a place in Kentucky. There's been stories of a dogman type creature that have been circulating there for years and I would love to check it out more in depth. I know several fellow researchers who've been up there, so I hope to join them soon so I can see the place for myself and hopefully get a better perspective on that cryptid case. Thanks for the questions. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, please submit via the contact page on my website at LyleBlackburn.com. So what was it that witnesses saw in Teague that night some 30 years ago? Was it simply a vagrant? A person in a costume? Or perhaps something far more paranormal? It's hard to say for sure just what it was. This world is full of strange things that we can't always explain, and that doesn't make them any less real. The story of the bizarre creature has since become a Texas-sized mystery. It's not the most famous, but it's certainly ripe with creepy details and real-world witnesses who believe they saw something that was very much out of the ordinary. As long as the train keeps rolling through the little town of Teague, there's a chance one of those old rusty boxcars could contain a stowaway that's not on the passenger manifest of any railway. A passenger that has one cloven hoof planted firmly in this world and the other planted in the realm we call Monstro Bizarro. This podcast is brought to you in part by Cryptid Headquarters, a collaborative effort of authors, artists, and cryptid enthusiasts from Southwest Virginia who seek to share information, ideas, and the awareness of anomalous creatures. For more information, visit www.cryptidhq.com and the North American Bigfoot Center of Oregon, an exhibit dedicated to the mystery of Bigfoot located in scenic, boring Oregon. Find out more information at NorthAmericanBigfootCenter.com. For more information about my books, music, and research, please visit LyleBlackburn.com.